Welcome to Secret Truths, Conspiracy Theories Exposed, where we expose the dirty little secrets that they don't want you to know about. I'm your host, Mark Willison, along with my co-host, Scott Patton. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing uh, great, Mark. I'm not, uh, unfortunately, I don't think uh, BP can say the same. Yeah, not, that's, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> funny, I was sitting in the... Uh, in the dentist's office this morning, you know, to get my teeth cleaned or whatever, and uh, of course on the news, they're, you know, they're, uh, they got it on CNN or whatever, and all of a sudden I see this commercial for BP, and they're, this guy is literally talking about how BP was out there cleaning up this oil spill the very same, the very same day that it happened, and, you know, it was all, it was all a big show to, you know, to prove that they're, they're on the case, and uh, they're going to get it taken care of. So it shows all these people out along the beach with their shovels and and whatnot, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't even see any evidence of oil on these beaches at all. What are these guys even doing? But it was, I mean, it was quite, it was quite over the top in in terms of uh, how they're just trying to trying to spin this whole thing to make themselves look better. And and so it was it's funny because somebody was sitting there next to me and they commented, you know, I mean, without I, I didn't even start the conversation or anything, but this lady she just comments and she goes. You know, that really pisses me off. I wish they'd spend that damn money instead of on the commercial. They'd spend it on actually fixing the oil leak and getting this thing cleaned up. (laughs) I thought, oh, lady, that's my thoughts exactly. You hit it right on the head. (laughs) That is great. So So, uh, I've got a question for you, Mark. Sure. So here's the way I see it, right? Like we've got the ocean floor. We've got five miles of water on top of it, right? No, it's a mile of water on top in the ocean floor, and it's five miles down that they drilled. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right, so I had it the wrong way. So underneath that five miles, there's this big, like, bubble of oil and stuff, right? Which is where the right. oil's coming from, right? Huh? So I was thinking about it. When, uh, what, what happens when you've got, like, Less oil under there, like it's kind of like if you've got a earth over a balloon and then you let the air out of the balloon, it's not just necessarily going to stay where it is, right? Yeah, I I would say that you know there anytime you have anytime you have a void that something has to come in and fill it, right? You know you're gonna if you end up creating this vacuum that something's gonna Something's going to come in to fill it, and uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I read a little article that this guy, I don't know how much credibility this guy has. I think he's actually kind of off his rocker, but he put forth an interesting idea that I had yet to have, have not heard before, and he basically says that as the oil is, is rushing out of this leak right now, under the intense pressure that it's under, that the force will want to take and expand the hole that they drilled. You know, they, they went down, they drilled this hole, and got all this oil coming up, and the force of it is literally wanting to make that hole bigger, naturally on its own. Oh, yeah, because it's sort of pushing out, right? Exactly. It's pushing out like, you know, kind of like a zip popping or something like that, if you can imagine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so as this thing opens up and it expands, it's, you know, it's, it's likely, according to this guy, that that the whole entire drilling, you know, the cap on the, the whole, the whole well for that matter is going to be displaced and 
and, and knocked right off of the right off of the off, off of the hole because you know the hole is going to be way bigger than the apparatus attached to it. Oh dear. And so if you if you continue this logic down the line, he says, okay, we're going to end up with you know this hole so big, and it's, you know the oil is just going to be coming out un undeterred, huh? kind of much like it is now anyway, but at a faster you know larger rate. He says that eventually the oil will you know will run out to a certain you know will start running out and the pressures will actually begin to equalize again. So you, when you don't have enough, you know, when if, you, if you run out of pressure from the oil, you know, coming out, what's going to happen is that you'll end up with, you know, that 100,000 psi of pressure from the mile worth of water on top of this stuff. He says that the, the water will actually, you know, fill that void in, in the So well. the water is actually going to go into the hole. That's what he says, that the water's going to go into the hole. Okay. And he says that at those depths and pressures and everything, being that close to the, you know, I guess the, the core of the earth or the mantle of the earth or whatever, he's claiming that, you know, it's, it's 400 degrees plus down there, and that when the oil actually goes down into the well, that it's actually going to vaporize and turn into steam. Right. And that that's going to lift, you know, cause this bubble in the gulf to to seriously expand and, and cause this massive tsunami and... All kinds of stuff, and I, you know, he said I'm not sure how how credible this guy is or or anything like that. But that's an interesting take that that I haven't yet heard before. Is that you know if the, if this thing gets to the point where you know the oil just keeps coming out, that nature will actually come in to fill that void uh, in its in its own kind of way. Right. And Unfortunately, it, when it does that, uh, we'll have already had billions of barrels of oil spewed out into the ocean. Yeah, billions is. And I can't even comprehend that right now. No, I, I can't either. And I'm just thinking you've got this map because last week we were talking about this like 10 foot bubble, like the right. ocean floor had risen up, right? Uh-huh. So we can see that there's this huge pressure. And what happens if that blows? The water, of course, is going to go in, and or and and probably it'll collapse so that it ends up just closing on itself. Right, and so and I'm just thinking now at the ocean floor, you've got this thing thump down. What's that going to do to all the water? It's going to ricochet back, and now you probably you're only 50 miles from Louisiana, right? Absolutely. Uh, and you know we're talking about Louisiana and Florida, but you've got that whole coast of Mexico as well that's exposed, right? Yep. And you know that's an interesting point. I haven't heard anybody really talking about Mexico and how does Mexico feel about this whole situation and what the heck are they doing to be involved with it? Right. Anyway, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic. But, but I just thought it was interesting that, despite all the you know stuff that we hear on the news, you know it's in the Gulf of Mexico and nobody is talking about Mexico and you don't hear any you know you don't see the Mexican president or or anybody uh, from Mexico really really uh, making any headlines about it. So I think that's an interesting point. Um, you know I don't know if they've been told to stand down or whatever, but it seems like they have just as much at stake in all of this as we do. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely, and it's it really is fascinating that you haven't heard anything from those guys, and I wonder if it's because the wa- the water is taking it away from Mexico. Yeah, I, I you know I don't know I was um, you know I was checking out the uh, you know they're talking about the bad weather. Well, I don't know if you're aware, but they just uh, all the little oil skimmers that are out there, you know, trying to skim the oil off of the surface. They've all mm-hmm. been uh, Dispatched and you know told to to leave the area because they have this tropical storm Alex that's now turned into a Category Two hurricane, 
And it's heading down there, and, you know, obviously it's going to be bad news for the ships out there, so I got them all out of there. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, kind of an interesting, an interesting thing that, that with the weather and everything, you know, they're actually, they were talking about that this is going to probably not impact, uh, Alabama, Louisiana, Florida as much as, as much as it's going to affect actually Mexico. The way oh. that this thing is, the way, the path that this thing is actually taking. So, that's kind of what spurred me on to thinking about, well, how does Mexico feel about all this? Because I heard about, you know, the weather situation and, and everybody is, you know, all excited in Louisiana that, oh, we might, we might not catch the full brunt of this thing, you know, if we're lucky. And I was thinking about it, well, you know, maybe you guys don't, but somebody else, some other poor guy is gonna, you know, gonna end up with it, so, eh, what do you do? And then <laughs> yeah, you got, that's you know, so, an issue, right? That's right. It's a, it's a big one. So I don't know if you've heard, the, heard Bill Clinton out there, you know, giving his two cents about the whole situation. But uh, I think that that's, I think that his, you know, he, his idea is, well, he keeps saying that, you know, we need to stop this leak, and, you know, he's kind of taking a shot at Obama for not doing anything about this situation. He's like, you know, the people want this leak stopped. You know, they don't want, they don't want anything else, all your politics and blaming and all that stuff going on. Like, people don't even care. All they care about is freaking plug the well. Right. And so his solution to this, you know, how do you plug the well? He says, well, let's just drop a nuclear bomb on it. And I could not even believe that this was Bill Clinton saying, you know, let's, we're going to, he said it was, it would be a small nuclear bomb. I mean, I, I guess that makes it all the better, right? Uh, but God, yeah, man, yeah. you're going to drop a nuclear bomb on an oil well, especially one that potentially has a big methane bubble sitting underneath it. Like, <laughs> that's got to be, that's a, that sounds like a recipe to, for disaster to me. Uh, you know what? I just had this vision as you were talking about that of of uh, a balloon and the Earth being a balloon and dropping that bomb there, popping the balloon, and then the thing just going whoosh, all over the place in the oh, solar yeah. system, right? <laughs> oh man, this is you know this is really I, I I'm just shocked that that it's still making news. It's still in the headlines. We're not making any progress on it. Uh, it's just unbelievable to me that, you know, we're, this is day 71 of this situation and not even close to an end in sight. And yeah. in fact, the further into it we go, it's like the more catastrophic, potentially, you know, apocalyptic scenarios keep keep popping out of this thing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I guess as we're approaching 2012, we've got our, uh, we've got our, we've got something to, uh, you know, support all those conspiracy nuts out there that, you know, think that the world's going to come to an end or something, like, God, this is, you know, turning out to be a situation that could very well, very well do that, I think. So, this article that you were talking about uh, with the... Uh, with the water? The, with the, with the water and everything else, I, I, I was just reading through it, and uh, the last paragraph, I think, is really interesting. And so basically this guy rants a bit about whatever he rants about. And then whoever wrote the article at the end said, more somber-minded people are fretting about possibly apocalyptic consequences of the oil leak. The Coast Guard has raised questions about the wellhead's ability to contain the oil beneath it. That is, the wellhead could break further and this could lead to a greater flood of oil, maybe 100,000 barrels a day. 
Environmentalists and scientists fear that the spill, with or without a total wellhead collapse, could turn the Gulf of Mexico into one large dead zone. Yeah, that's and that's really bad. You know, I mean, I I'm a I I guess the you know the Gulf of Mexico is just a huge production area for fishing and, and seafood and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I love seafood. And can you imagine what that's gonna you know what what the price just the price of uh, you know, a lobster or shrimp or fish or whatever it's going to cost if that whole area is a dead zone. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to seriously affect a lot of financial, you know, financially affect a lot of people. I mean, where I live here in Reno, we must have, oh, near, near 50 different su- all-you-can-eat sushi places right now. And, I mean, it's like a little mecca for all-you-can-eat sushi. It's really, really top-notch and really got a good thing going here and and you know, I, it's gonna, it, you know, it would definitely put those guys out of business for sure. You know, I can't speak for for how how big you know the impact is going to be economically, but just on my little local level, I definitely know that that's going to affect me and several of the people that I know that work, you know, that are sushi chefs or whatever. And and you know, I mean, it's going to have far-reaching implications, I think. Oh, absolutely, and just the whole idea. I mean, if it's a dead zone. Who's going to go swim in it, right? Who's going to boat in it? Who's going to, you know? That's right. What does I mean, that do for that whole coast, right? Right. It's a huge tourist attraction as well. Yeah, it's uh, it'd just be awful. So, Scott, you had recommended to me uh, probably about two weeks ago a movie called Collapse. That's right. And I finally got to watch this movie this weekend, and uh, that. That that movie really blew my mind. I have never, I I never really looked at the debate about peak oil, uh, yeah. but it was it was really interesting to look at and the way that this guy, um, Michael, at it. yeah, Michael Rupert, Michael Rupert, very very well spoken. Obviously, knows his stuff very well and highly credible uh, on the subject. And yeah, I read the movie after I read his book Confronting Collapse. Oh, okay. Confronting collapse basically depressed me. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty pretty uh, discouraged after watching the movie too, and and I, it just was like, well, you know, it kind of makes perfect. You know, he laid out he made one point that I thought was you know kind of like the no brainer. He says for all those people out there that are arguing that oil is abundant and there's this never ending supply and we don't need to worry about running out. And, uh, you know, there's people that think, you know, oil is created in the mantle of the earth and that it's, you know, that there's just this endless supply of it. He says, well, if that's true, then why is it that we have to keep drilling farther out and deeper down to find more oil? Yeah, what does it mean when the Saudis are offshore oil rig, you know, building offshore oil rigs? I mean, it costs, I can't tell you how many times it costs, how many times more it costs to drill offshore. But just imagine the, you know, the mechanical challenges that there are in trying to drill a well down one mile through the ocean, and then start drilling. I mean, yeah. you know, so for those of uh, those of you that have never heard of uh, Michael Rupert, he's a former LAPD narcotics investigator uh, turned into an investigative journalist. He's the author of Crossing the Rubicon and, of course, Confronting Collapse, which I'm reading, and and. Uh, and, in, and he was in the movie Collapse, so that just gives you a bit of an idea. It's, I thought it was quite interesting with his background of being an investigative or um, 
sorry, uh, a narcotics investigator, and then he took everything he learned with that and and started looking at oil. Because of course Saudi Arabia is has no there's no way to find out how much oil they think is in the ground there. Like I was quite amazed at how nobody is really talking about how much oil they've got. Like nobody says we've got this much oil, we got that much. It's all like this big secret. And of course, if there's no oil, you can certainly understand why that would be the way they'd want to keep it, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I've I've often thought, well, if oil, you know, let's say we do run out of oil or we start running out of oil, you know, in the past I thought, you know, well, actually this will be, you know, this could be a good thing. There could be, you know, all, new alternative energy supplies developed or or something like that that, you know, that would that would turn this negative thing actually into a positive. But the way he the way he presented it actually kind of changed my mind about the situation and mm-hmm. and basically what he's saying is that as as oil you know as oil runs out um, that the price of oil is gonna you know we had this huge I mean you can remember four dollar a gallon gas yeah uh, not, not too long ago yeah and what he says is that it's gonna you know when we hit we hit another spike that basically puts us to the point where we can't afford to buy gas anymore or oil or you know do conduct business like you know my business has we're an electrical company we've got 10 trucks that run around all day and go fix electrical problems mm. and i can remember when we hit four dollar a gallon gas and we had to you know we started charging this little uh a service uh, a fuel charge you know for showing up to a customer's location to, to fix their problem and I can tell you, people, you know, we lost a lot of business, and, and people were very, very upset about having to pay this extra fee. But at the same time, I mean, it's not like we had a choice. I mean, a $4 a gallon gas and a bunch of trucks that get maybe 12 miles per gallon, mm-hmm. you know, you got to pay for those things somehow. And it's either, you know, charge a little extra fee or you raise your labor rates or, or you know, whatever like that. Right, right. And, you know, the way, the way that... Michael puts all of this stuff in terms of this collapse, you know, he's saying that all these government institute, you know, the police and the, the airline industry and the transportation, you know, all the tr- all the big trucking companies and all that stuff, you'll actually hit, will actually hit a point where all of that stuff will just shut down. You know, they have to cut, you know, cut major major services, and that people will not be able to, you know, to get what they need, you know, food or or whatever, and, and you know, he basically likens it to being everything going back to a local economy. You know, you won't be able to get spinach from China anymore, strawberries from you know halfway around the world, and that you're gonna, you know, that everybody's gonna have to actually grow their own food and you know become part of a local community and all that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, just the way he the way he put it and explained it and laid it out was, I mean, it was quite compelling. It was, yeah. it was an interesting movie. To, you know, it was a very good movie to watch. I, I highly recommend it. But at the same time, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, good. It did to me, too. <laughs> That's why I wanted to send it to you. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm also reading another book that I'll uh, give you kind of more information on as I get through it called Why Your World is About to Get a Whole Lot Smaller by Jeff Rubin. Hmm. Oil and the End of Globalization. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see... Uh, what happens in the next few years? Because uh, I think there's no doubt that 
it's so funny to be talking about lack of oil when we, our biggest problem that we've been talking about for the last month is all this oil coming into the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> uh, isn't that uh, isn't that very ironic? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I I, ha- I hadn't realized. I guess I had, but I hadn't put the pieces all together in the way that he that he laid it out. You know, he talks about all of the farming that we do in the United States is basically petroleum based. You know, the land the the land is no good anymore. We basically stripped all the land of all its nutrients because we're, we're not employing sustainable methods of crop rotations and things like that. And that we, you know, basically to support all the food that we're producing, we must, we're spraying them with chemically or with uh, petroleum-based chemical pesticides and fertilizers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just just that little piece right there was... You know, really blew me away because as you, if the price of oil goes up, then the price of your fertilizer goes up, and the price of your pesticide goes up, and the price of your transportation for all that food goes up. And he stated that <laughs> of the food that we're buying and consuming right now, and this just thoroughly disgusted me and you know motivated me to plant tomatoes out in my yard and get some things going for the summer here. But he says that for every one calorie of food um, energy that we consume that food required 10 calories of oil to produce it. And I was just like, wow, for, I mean, 10, 10, cal- 10 actual units of energy to produce one energy of food. Yeah, yeah. That is not, that's not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. And I have to agree to him that this, uh, that this path that we're on is, is going to come to an end and, and, and rather abruptly, it, it, it seems. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that moving forward we're going to want to uh, delve into in more depth for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. What the, what, and you see, and it, it ties in too because if it's true that the like Dick Cheney had a secret meeting that they've been trying to get the notes from and everything else on oil policies and energy policies and everything else, and the government is refusing to release it. That just really burns me, man. I, yeah. Especially well, especially with Obama. You know, he made this big deal about transparency in the, in the government, and he's going to come in, and, you know, we're not going to have all this secret stuff going on. And what a bunch of rhetoric, because it's like business as usual up there in Washington right now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, why? but, you know, why would you not share that information? Well, because we'd have panic in the streets, right? That's right. And, and you know, I was... You know, we got a, a bunch of news right now with Afghanistan. You got General General Petraeus right now talking about um, how the troops are. You know, the general before him implemented this policy of uh, very conservative. Um, what do you What do you call it? Uh, engagement of the enemy, for example. Like, you know, you can't fire on on the, on the enemies without having, you know this bureaucratic checklist of things crossed off, you know, to make sure you're not going to kill any innocent civilians or, or make the Taliban mad in any way or something like that. <laughs> and so we got Petraeus coming in and saying, you know, hey, this puts our troops at risk, and, you know, they're getting, you know, they're getting killed out there and shot at and wounded, and, you know, these guys need to be able to protect themselves, and the rules that we have in place, the rules of engagement need to be, you know, need to be relaxed a little bit. And I just thought, well, you know, what the the heck are we even doing in Afghanistan anyway right now? Because obviously Osama bin Laden's not hiding there anymore. I mean, that's pretty well established after all these years. I don't think, 
I don't think we're going to find him there. Yeah. And and so I thought, well, you know, why are we, what the heck, why are we still in Iraq? And, you know, there's an obvious answer to me for Iraq. Everybody knows that, you know, the oil situation in Iraq. But I didn't realize about the oil situation in Afghanistan. Oh, that They're actually trying to build a trans-Afghan pipeline. Yeah. I had no, and I had no idea about this. And, and you know, if you do a little research and you check out the Trans-Afghan Pipeline, you can actually find, back in 1979 with Jimmy Carter, even he knew about this thing, and he kind of, he kind of actually helped spur on the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, knowing full well that you know that it was an unwinnable war, and you know he kind of he kind of was teasing them to get involved in that whole thing for, you know, for that for that reason, you know, to kind of kind of put them back in their place but because we wanted to control you know the control the oil over there and i just you know i did when i'm you know when, he, when i'm looking around at all these articles about this trans-afghan pipeline i'm thinking to myself where the heck have i been i haven't seen that on the news nobody talks about that yeah and not only that recently they announced over one trillion dollars worth of natural resources in afghanistan that's right so yeah that's, i think what we're going to be seeing in the future is um, massive strip mining going on there. Oh, absolutely. And just imagine doing that with uh, all those um, um, just trying to think of what uh, what the right term is, but you know, all those warriors really, right? I mean, they've fought yeah, off. Yeah, people, they don't want us there. They don't support us in any way, shape, or form. And if we go in there and start mining their resources, you're basically, you know, stealing candy from a baby. As far as they're concerned, I mean, they're going to look at that very, very negatively. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, if somebody wants, you know, if China decided to call it, call in their debts they, with the United States and come in and say, you know what, we're going to start, you know, you guys are going to pay us back in natural resources and we're going to come start taking them from you. Well, could you imagine if they were uh, knocking down the mountains around Lake Tahoe? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, it would be... It would be on. That's all I could say. Is it would be on like Donkey Kong, man. So I, that's just, it's, you know, it's like all the all the pieces are starting to fit together in a really organized fashion, and it's just like, you know, like I just can't believe that that it's also, you know, it's pretty transparent to me now. I guess you know, Obama had his he he got his wish on that one because, you know, why we're in Afghanistan, why we're in Iraq, why we're in Afghanistan. You know, it's all starting to add up, and it really frustrates me and discourages me that, you know, we had a president that came in and campaigned on probably his number one issue was getting the troops out of Iraq and Afghanistan and bringing them home, and here we are, you know, ramping up again for for another. We had, you know, we got another surge going on in Afghanistan, and and you know, as we saw in the movie Collapse, you know, we saw that we have biggest embassy in the whole world, bigger than Vatican City is in Iraq. You know, I mean, why did they build such a massive embassy? I mean, this thing, this thing is just, you know, bigger than Vatican City is, you know, that's, that's quite the scale. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious that that's a, you know, that there's a much longer term plan than, uh, than this, uh, this whole, you know, go get Saddam Hussein thing and take him out and all that stuff. And, you know, George Bush's mission accomplished banner on the side of that ship. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You know, it's, you can tell what these guys are up to and what they're all about, and and it's you know it's really frustrating to me 
just that the whole thing, you know, you had Jimmy Carter had solar panels on the White House, and the first thing that Reagan did when he came into office was take off the solar panels, and now look where we're at. <laughs> so I good, just... Good I point. Just, yeah, you know, I mean, why can't they... You know, if the government really wanted to fix this problem, Obama would come out and say, you know, instead of all this bailout money for these stupid-ass corporations that are, you know, just wasting our money and they're corrupt and obviously... Goldman Sachs, yeah, Goldman of dollars. Sachs. Yeah, why doesn't he just say, you know what, go put solar panels on your roof of your house or put up a windmill or whatever, and 100% is tax write-off. You know, just just put it up. We'll, you can deduct the whole thing off your taxes. I mean, Lord knows we're paying enough as it is anyway. They're still going to get their cut. But, you know, we got to do something with this. And, you know, it's just all the people, you know, I'm in the lighting, I'm in the electrical industry, and, you know, we do a lot with lighting and stuff. And uh, a lot of my friends that are, you know, are in the solar panel business, and it's just really frustrating for them to have such a high cost on the installation and, you know, no seeming, you know, no rebate or tax, you know, very minimal tax incentives on these things and in comparison to the actual cost. And, and, you know, that could actually solve our problem. You wouldn't have to, you know, redo the power grid and all that. Everybody is, you know, you just make your own power grid right in your own house and you're still plugged into the regular system and can actually produce extra electricity and send it back to the grid. So I, I think yeah. they need to, you know, I think that's one thing that they need to get started on right away. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the elections coming up in November and then again in, you know, 12. Hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully we'll shed a little light on this subject and get some politicians that, you know, that have a backbone and can stand up for, for actually what's important with America because it seems to me that healthcare has definitely gone by the wayside in retrospect nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very, very important point that you bring up. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, I think this brings, it, brings us to the end of our show here today, Scott. Definitely thank everybody for listening and, and visit us at Secret Truths. That's secret-truths.com. And check out, we'll have a whole bunch of links, uh, what we were talking about with the guy uh, proposing that a bunch of water is going to be rushing into the oil well and all, you know, every, all that good stuff. Check it out and send us your, your comments and feedback. And uh, we sure, certainly would love to hear what you guys, what you think about everything right now. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you again next week. See you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye.